welcome to the Monsters of Stocks podcast, episode two. We made it to episode two. Dan Secatore, how you doing? Uh, I, well, A, first of all, I'm very impressed that you got the name right because I just totally forget that we've changed names all the time. And every time you say it, I'm like, oh, right, that happened. Um, so I suppose we should just, again, just to update our listeners, we have changed our name. We have not yet changed the name or artwork on our feed. That is coming. Um, but ultimately, as we discussed last week, it really doesn't affect you uh, in any way, shape, or form. All that's changing here is uh, we're changing the name of the pod. The feed's going to change. The artwork is going to change. And you might get some new podcasts uh, that, that pop up on the feed every now and again, some national baseball podcasts. Uh, listen to them if you want. If you don't, we won't be offended. Um, but just keep listening to ours. So, uh, yeah, thank you for reminding me that we have changed names. Other than that, things are going fine. I feel awful. I partly blame the World Baseball Classic for that. These uh, these 5 a.m. and 11 p.m. starts, uh, they're, they're brutal on the immune system, but I just I can't get enough of this tournament. I really can't. It seems to have been... Incredibly enjoyable in the early. Have you not watched? I've watched very little. I turned on the Japan Korea game this morning just long enough to see that it was like 13 to 5. Following it through Twitter, as I described to you off air, I'm Brian Joyner, by the way. As described you off there, I I had uh, unexpected uh, amounts of direct parenting time this week which did not allow for world baseball classic uh ingestion but i did notice that your favorite team in the tournament lost to your least favorite team in the tournament fairly early on is that fair to say are you talking about cuba italy yes the italo calvino cup as i tweeted out um which got 11 likes which was 10 more likes than i thought it would like so if those 11 likers are listening right now, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, for anyone else, I'm not explaining that joke. Look it up if you want to. Um, but yeah, that um, that's pool A in Taiwan. So you're right. I did say we, we picked last week our teams to root for in the World Baseball Classic. And I did say that Cuba was the number one team to root for. And I said that I hate the Italian team. I think Three days into the tournament, I've already changed my mind on some of that, particularly in this pool, because um, this pool A has been fun as hell. I'll, I'll catch you up on it. Since well, you I know what been... I know. You Chang, I saw you Chang's home run. You Chang, I imagine baby. that plays a lot into what you're about to say. Well, it it does and it doesn't. So you know, you know, all right. For starters, so pool A: the Netherlands, Taiwan, Italy, Panama, Cuba. Um, the Netherlands, thanks in large part to Xander Bogarts, seems very much in the driver's seat of this pool right now. They are two and zero. They have beat in they they beat Cuba in the first game of the tournament, and then they beat Panama. Uh, they they're sitting pretty to advance. Um, it, it was nice to see. I, I do got to say, I have a specific memory. So Xander Xander hit a home run in in game two. Uh, this the, the stadium that they're playing in Taiwan is actually very difficult to hit home runs in, particularly in the day. Apparently, the ball kind of flies out at night, but it, in the day, it's dead. Um, Xander was the first one to muscle up a home run during the day. He's clearly the best player in the entire pool, 
which is fun to see. And it's also fun to see because I have a specific memory of the last WBC when he was a rookie. That's how long we've, we've waited six years in between World Baseball Classics. And I remember it, it was uh, he had come. Was it 2013? 2006, 2009. Yeah, it's 2013. It's 2013. So he had yet, he had actually had yet to debut uh, with the Boston Red Sox. I'm sorry, that wasn't the last World Baseball Classic. Obviously, that was what am I talking about, Brian? <laughs> 2013 is 10 years ago. Uh, that also was the year he made his debut. Okay, so I, I do think I am thinking of 2013 because that was the year he made his major league debut, and that was uh, one of the World Baseball Classic years. Anyway. I specifically remember that on that team uh, were Andrelton Simmons and Jerickson Profar, as they are on this team as well. And Andrelton Simmons being one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time, played shortstop, which which bumped Xander off the position. And Profar, who at the time was the number one prospect in all of baseball, got to play second. So Xander was actually moved to third. And I think he maybe even didn't even start a couple of the games. And I, I was pissed about that. I declared, I know you love Profar. I declared that day right there that Prof, Jerks and Profar was now my enemy and would be for the rest of his career <laughs> because he, he bumped Sander out of the middle infield in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. I am happy to report now that despite the fact that Profar and Simmons are both on the team, Xander Bogarts is the starting shortstop of the Netherlands team. Uh, and, and Simmons has come out and, and talked about it too. Anderson Simmons, of course, is still probably a better defensive shortstop than Xander Bogarts. Um, but he has said that he's basically deferring to Xander's star status and his accomplishments as, as at, at this point in his career, is Xander better than Andrew Jones yet? Probably not. No, but he, but he's well on his way to being the best Dutch ABC Island player of all time, I think. Um, I You're think he's well on his way to. You don't think you don't think to, he's to matching Joe Andrew Jones is really, really good. You are right. Four hundred home runs and one of the best defensive center fielders of all time. Smooth, just the one of the smoothest. But also at this point, it's pretty clear. And if this is he's he's had a controversial candidacy, but it seems pretty clear that Andrew Jones is not going to the Hall of Fame. Xander Bogarts, if if you had to put the odds on it right now, that's a little tease for for later in this show. Xander Bogarts is probably looking at what like what would you say? I, I would give him a thirty percent chance at Cooperstown right now. I mean, he's going to be he's, were, if if he's going to stay healthy, gonna go he's going to chase three thousand hits. Yeah, I thought sure. you were going to go higher. Let's call it fifty fifty right now. No, no, I liked your 30. <clears throat> okay. We can settle on 40. Let's settle on 40. Yeah. Do you think if he had played second base in that World Baseball Classic that he would still be on the Red Sox as their second baseman? <laughs> um, no, because it would not have changed the fact that Dustin Pedroia was still on the team. So he would No, but do you think he would have agreed to move because he would have been like – I remember the 2000 w, 2013 oh, yeah. WBC so fondly, but you so know what? <laughs> I'll move to second. I'm sure he does remember that fondly because I do believe, again, we'll, we'll get into this when we get to corrections corner, which I, I guess we're flipping the agenda around here, which is fine with me. I do believe the Netherlands made the semifinals of that tournament. So we probably does remember it pretty fondly. I think they eventually got knocked out by either 
the Dominican or Puerto Rico in San Francisco, if I recall. So, so he Dan, probably does remember it fondly no matter what. So Dan is mad about the thing that ultimately kept Bogarts off the Red Sox. Look at that. Sure. Look at that prescience. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I buy that logical leap, but yeah, that's right. I'll take it. Um, but anyway, oh, so I'll, Xander I'll put that in next week's <laughs> corrections for me to make. Okay. Xander in the Netherlands are cruising. The second spot in pool A is wide open. Brian Joyner, uh, because Cuba, Cuba, Cuba's struggling and it's a real damn shame. Like I said, this is the first time ever that defectors and domestic players are playing. Um, but as we discussed on the pod last week, there are a lot of really notable absences and sort of strange absences. Jose Abreu, who did play in, who, who played in the World Baseball Classic before he defected for Cuba, not playing. Jordan Alvarez, not playing. Randy Arozarena is playing in the World Baseball Classic for Mexico <laughs> because when he defected from Cuba, he landed in Mexico in order to become an international free agent. Um, so I've seen some reports, and this, I guess, makes sense given Cuba, given the nature of the defections, given what's happening to their domestic league. I've seen some reports that a lot of these decisions are very personal and have to do with a lot of like direct relationships that, that many of these defectors may have with the Cuban baseball establishment. Um, and it's a damn shame because there's just, there's so much major league talent that is not on this team. Um, you know, we mentioned Abreu and Alvarez, Nestor Cortez. I mean, there's just, there's, there's, there's so much talent that's missing from this team. So they are not looking good. Um, and that's a real shame, but they still have a chance because everyone else in the pool outside of the Dutch has lost too. I kind of, I'm kind of digging both Panama and the Taiwanese teams right now. So Taiwan just finished up an electric game against Italy. Yu Chang, as you mentioned, Yu Chang hit a, hit a bomb of a goal. Well, it wasn't a bomb, but I mean, it barely, it barely only made it over the wall, but it was an outside fastball that he took to the other way, which I didn't really know Yu Chang had that in his bag. Uh, they were down by one. He hit, it was a two run home run to give them the lead. They ended up winning 11 to seven over Italy. Um, Panama played well in their first outing as well before losing to the Netherlands. I kind of like both Taiwan and Panama because of the fact that they both kind of occupy the same space in their international game in the sense that they're like two, they're two countries with rich baseball traditions who, and baseball is the national sport for both of their countries, but they're two small countries and relative to their region, their minnows, obviously with Taiwan, with, with Japan and Korea next door and Panama with the entire Caribbean and Latin America surrounding it. Um, so I would be pretty excited if either one of these teams nabs the second spot. Uh, I still do not want Italy to advance, even though I did pick them in our office pool, which you inexplicably did not join. Uh, I do have Italy and the Netherlands advancing. I think I explicked it when I told you about the uh, my busy week with the kids, but yeah, but that's fair. Uh, also, Taiwan and Panama both uh, more or less exist because of U.S. Uh, Oh. international uh, relations. You're um, absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but first I have a note and uh, this I'll, you'll understand why I'm telling the story. It's about Jamie Foxx. 
You know Jamie Foxx, the Academy yeah, Award I don't understand why you're actor. telling this story. Is this about so, the World Baseball Classic? It will be in one second. Uh, okay. I remember that people asked Jamie Foxx why this was like 20 years ago, why baseball wasn't more popular. And he said, if you could bottle the Barry Bonds home run off Troy Percival in the World Series and make baseball just that. My dog, my dog doesn't like it. If you could just make baseball just that, it would be the most popular sport in the world. The reaction when... Pepper! Pepper! Enough! Enough! The Pepper reaction, does not like PED users. You heard well, mention bonds. When you... The crowd... When Yu Chang hit that home run, if you could bottle that... And the other thing that's important to this, and we've talked about this, the international game largely does bottle this feeling, but the intensity of the crowd was overwhelming. Oh my God. Now, again, I mean, yeah. it's a home crowd, but overwhelming. Yes, yes. A better crowd than has ever been at any major league game, regular season, postseason, or World Series. That's that's true. I and and I this is why I get so frustrated when people hate on the World Baseball Classic. Like how can you hate this? How can you watch the way that other cultures play and celebrate and watch baseball and be like, "Eh, not for me. I just don't get it." This game was thrilling in large part because of the crowd. And you know, yeah, the quality is not the same. Yeah, these teams play it differently, but that just makes it more interesting. I'll t- one more one more story about World Baseball Classics past, um, and another one that might need the ombudsman to come in later. <laughs> I have a distinct memory of the first ever World Baseball Classic, the 2006 edition. I was in college, and uh, Cuba, I believe, advanced all the way to the final, or at least the semifinal in that game, in that tournament. I remember watching a game. It wasn't the final yet. I think it was a, a quarterfinal game. I have never seen this before in my life. The game started. Cuba took the field. As Cuba's starter was warming up, the Cuban manager simultaneously had a relief pitcher warming in the bullpen. They were ready to pull their starter in the First inning at the very first sign of trouble. And this was something that you've never, ever seen in Major League Baseball, no matter the context. But you did see the Cuban team doing it because for 60 years, Cuba was this weird Galapagos island of baseball where they just developed their own way of playing completely separate from the rest of the world's baseball infrastructure. And what was what was most important to Cuban baseball for those 60 years was international tournaments, short international tournaments like the Olympics and the World Baseball Championship. And so they designed a way to play to maximize winning in those situations. And so therefore, I saw for the first time in my life a relief pitcher warming up as the game started. I had never seen that before. It was cool as hell. And to all the baseball fans who were dismissing, you know, there are a number of complaints about the WBC one of them you hear a ton is just that, well, it's not real baseball. It's too, it's, it's too small a sample size. You need 162 games. The way that we play it, yes, you need 162 games. 
the way that the Cuban national team plays short tournaments, you don't. And that's and that's fine. There's two ways to play the game. There's probably more ways to play the game. Like, that's cool. Let's see them all. Let's bring them all together. That's what this tournament does. And that's cool as shit. You just inadvertently reminded me of when the Brewers pulled Wade Miley after one batter in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that against the Dodgers. I believe they didn't win that game. I believe they lost that game. Yeah. Well, it didn't work at all, right? Like, the Dodgers didn't even... Did, did the Dodgers figure out what they were? No, they, no one knew what they were doing, right? It was completely, it, it was, was like a because sneak it was, it was a sneak attack versus lefty righty. Right. Right. Trying to get the, trying to get the Dodgers to, to, to put the wrong lineup out there. Yeah. It didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. But, it but was I love attempt. the idea of Cuba as like a Galapagos of baseball. And it's, this is just a, innovation and tactics exist. And I don't think, I don't even agree that the way we play, we need to play for such a long sample size. I mean, that is something that we have decided is important. What's important is like when it comes down to it, it all comes down to the Herm Edwards quote, you play to win the game. And if you can get pumped up for one game or one series of games without thinking, well, who should have won? Yes. Thank you. You can have a great time. <laughs> we do get too hung up on, on those things. I think, well, we get, we get hung up on them in certain situations and not others. And I don't well, understand why we don't seem to give why. a shit. I know why I can tell you why I can tell you why it's literally a pastime. We do it. We argue, we watch, we do all of this literally to pass the time and that yeah. is the long and short of it that's yeah. what so we're we, doing we right don't now. we don't actually we don't actually care about it we're just just we killing do. time is that we <laughs> we do but the discussion but why do we of... not have this conversation about the nfl why does no one seem to care when the the one seed doesn't make it to the super bowl because i think baseball exists as a game, the same way basketball exists as a game, the same way hockey to some degree exists as a game outside of the context, ultimately of professional sports and football in a very unique way does not. There's no, like there's college football and people love college football. Okay. Maybe college football is, I don't watch it, but to a lot of people, it's the purest form of the game. Fine, maybe. But everyone in college football wants to play in the NFL. In the NFL, there's no substitute for winning because the entirety of the sport is about winning the Super Bowl in a way that winning the World Series is not true of baseball. Hmm. And I think that the reason the three major sports, sorry, hockey, uh, don't, well, no, I'll include hockey. In basketball, it's exceedingly rare for, to, to it's exceeding rare, rare to almost non-existent for one of the two best teams not to win the title. It's 
it just doesn't happen because of the nature of the sport. The better team wins. That is not true in baseball necessarily. And it's not true in hockey necessarily as the Bruins unfortunately could find out mm-hmm. uh, because a goaltender can literally stop another team from winning. But in football, the entirety of the sport is built around winning the Super Bowl. But I think there's something to that that baseball should embrace. And I don't mean just winning the World Series, but I think it it goes to the the World Baseball Classic. Don't worry about sample sizes. Don't worry about the, the... what what is happening in the game embrace it and i think the world baseball classic even more so than say the world cup where to get those tickets at the world cup you got to spend a fortune and plan 10 years ahead and then who knows what sort of corporate sponsorships are getting in there these people in these early rounds are there because they want to be there and they would be no they'd rather be nowhere else in the world and that's the coolest thing about it yeah, well said. It's it's been a great tournament so far. Um, in Pool B, Japan is two and zero. Uh, Masataka Yoshida, did you see what he did this morning? I did. I did. You had a great tweet. You had a great tweet. <laughs> Which one? The the he's he's now uh oh, the rivalry. He's now one, part yeah. of the two most vicious rivalries in baseball. Yeah, Japan, I think Korea, yeah. and uh, Red Sox Yankees. I think that's fair to say. I think you can probably there are there two countries who are not at war who hate each other more than Japan and Korea do. That's question one. And then you add into that fact the fact that the national pastime of both countries is baseball. That Japan taught Korea baseball. And that Korea has been this had this little brother dynamic going for the entire history of that it's played the sport. I mean, it's a vicious, vicious <laughs> and rivalry. They're, and they're continuing it now. Oh, man. Boy, they really are. It's Yeah, so Korea now 0-2. Two very disappointing tournaments in a row for them because they, they hosted a pool last time around and did not advance out of it. So after the first two tournaments where they were one of the best-performing teams in each tournament, they are really disappointing it. Um, I don't, obviously, obviously I, I'm not capable of going in depth on the Korean team and the Korean roster. I did read one thing that's interesting and I wonder if they're trying to get too cute. Apparently, so the, the pitching has been awful. The pitching has been absolutely awful. They hung in with Japan, uh, for the first five or six innings today. And then the bullpen just got creamed. They almost, they almost got mercy ruled. It was awful against Australia too. Um, and it shouldn't be. They, they should not be losing to Australia. I, I read that apparently the, the Korean coaching staff intentionally built up the pitching staff with ground ball pitchers. Their reasoning being that they had Tommy Edmond and Hassan Kim up the middle. Now, Tommy Edmond and Hassan Kim, that's unquestionably one of the best defensive middle infields you could put together of any players in the world. So I get where they're coming from that standpoint, but I don't know. Maybe just pick like your 15 best pitchers and maybe not worry about it's like again, we're at small sample size here. You kind of just gotta you gotta just get out. Don't don't be too cute with I think trying, you know, putting to get the team together strategically. Um again, I can't go in depth on the Korean team, so I don't know 
maybe these ground ball pitchers that they've picked are amongst the very best Korean pitchers anyway. They probably are, but anyway, it's, it seems like something something's wrong in Korea because they should not be. They're not. It looks like they're not going to advance out of two World Baseball Classics, and this was the easiest pool for them to advance out of. This is the uh, maybe you can you can put you can put Team USA's pool in there too. Probably not though. In Team USA's pool, you have USA and Mexico as the clear favorites, but Canada absolutely could upset somebody. Nobody should have upset Japan and Korea in this pool at all. I mean, it, China is the worst team in the tournament. Um. Actually, I, f- I found a really interesting way of describing exactly how bad China was. Um, I didn't realize this. In 2018, the Chinese national team uh, effectively for one season became the Texas Air Hogs in the American Association of Independent Baseball. You ever heard of the Texas Air Hogs? As of 10 seconds ago, yeah. I'll, I'll connect them to the Red Sox for you in a second. Um, but so the, the, the Air Hogs basically just... They, they made a essentially a minor league agreement with the Chinese national baseball program and said, send your team over here. We'll suit them up. We'll let them play. Uh, they finished the, 20, the Texas Airhawks finished that season in the independent American association, 25 and 75, 25 and 75. That's what the Chinese national team did in, in independent ball. So like if you put the Chinese national team in major league baseball, there's a legitimate question whether they would get to double-digit wins. <laughs> That's how bad this team is. Um, Texas Airhawks, by the way, so the brief Red Sox connection here, since this is ostensibly a Red Sox podcast. One-time home of new Red Sox setup man, Chris Martin. Did you know that he was an independent uh, guy? Did not know that. Chris Martin was uh, he was a highly touted college pitcher. And do you remember the old – he's so old – that he was still in college when the old draft and follow system was in place. You remember that system? Yes. What an awful exploitative <laughs> tool that was for major league teams. Um, for those who, who don't know, back then, a team could draft a player. And, you know, you would assume that a team drafts a player, then they, you know, sign a contract, join that organization. Nope. With the draft and follow, a team could sign a player and say, hey, even though we are now the exclusive holder of your rights and you cannot play for any other major league team, we're not really going to sign you right now. We're not, we're not hundred percent interested in you. Go back, go back to school, play for a year and let's talk. That was the draft and follow system. You could be drafted, but the team didn't have to sign you for a full calendar year. So Chris Martin was drafted as a junior in college, but I think it was the Rockies was not signed, went back to college, Threw out his arm as a senior. Uh, so the Rockies at that point said, eh, yep, thanks, no thanks. We don't watch anymore. So he never got to sign a professional contract with the Rockies. He uh, he quit. He went home and he worked at a warehouse. I think he worked at like a, like a refrigeration warehouse company, like moving appliances. And was doing that for at least a year, I think. And he ended up, he, he was working with a friend of his who was a teammate of his on his high school baseball team. And... His friend said, hey, let's throw the ball around during our downtime after we're done hauling refrigerators. So they started throwing the ball around. He and his friend both noticed that Chris Martin kind of had a little extra zip that he had. They, they didn't even have before, um, before he had the injury. Um, so he wanted to give it another shot. 
He went to the Texas Air Hogs. I can't remember who was managing them at the time, but it was a former big leaguer. They were managed by a big leaguer. So he played one season with the Air Hogs, um, was outstanding, and then made it back to professional baseball. That This was like in 2010. So several years before the Chinese national team became the Air Hogs. But there you go. There's your, there's your Red Sox connection. And Chris Martin also played in Japan. So Chris Martin is probably very excited about the World Baseball Classic. He's probably well, not Cole, one of these haters. Coldplay has taken over the globe, of course. Uh, three follow-ups. One, did you know the Air Hogs' first manager was Pete Incavelia? Pete, okay, so that that must be who I'm thinking of. I, I think it is who I'm thinking of. I think he was Chris Martin's manager. Two, Pat Mahomes played for the Air Hogs. Oh, how about that? Three, not baseball, but draft and follow system. Do you know who sort of inarguably the famous, most famous player in any sport to successfully have been exploited by the draft and follow system is. So this was not baseball? Not baseball. I'll even tell you it was basketball. It was basketball. So this system, the NBA did this too, huh? Yes. You had the players' uh, rights. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes. Okay, I do know this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, Larry Bird. Larry, Larry Joe Bird. Larry Joe Bird. Yeah. That was a little different though, right? Because I think th- there was no one else but Larry Bird who could have done that, right? Because he was a year older because he initially went to Indiana and then dropped out. So by the time he went back to Indiana State, he was like a year behind everybody. That makes Is sense. Is that how that worked? I, I, I might I neither know. Again. I neither know nor care. Yeah, make I a note like, for the ombudsman. Make a note for the yeah. ombudsman. It's going to be very busy next <laughs> week. All those up. I think, I always thought that that was why. I always thought that, Nobody else but Red Auerbach realized that Larry Bird was even eligible for that draft because he was only a junior in college at the time. But it was but Auerbach like sneakily figured out that like, oh yes, he's only a junior, but he's been out of high school for four years, which makes him eligible. That's so I'm looking at it. They knew everybody knew he was eligible, but he said he was going to return to college. So, I mean, the Pacers had the first overall pick. The Pacers. Oh my God. He could have been an Indiana Pacer. Shut up. And the Celtics drafted him knowing that they might not by the next draft, but they took that risk. Paid off. A sliding doors moment. In my my opinion, in my opinion, Good choice by the Celtics. Yeah, going out all in there. I'll take, I'll yes. take for my trying. My God, could you imagine if Larry Bird had been an Indiana Pacer? I mean, sort wow. of. He did he did coach them for a while. Yeah. He's still he's still in charge of them, isn't he? He might be that he I mean he doesn't. Who cares? Uh anyhow, speaking of the ombudsman slash corrections, Dan, why don't you roll out some correction <laughs> and ombudsmaning? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave the inspiration for this segment to you. Um. <laughs> I think I've made my. I think I've made my points pretty clear in that your representation of the 1998 film Croupier, starring Clive Owen, uh, as we laid on this podcast uh, last week, were just emphatically lies, just wrong. Mandela affected yourself. You still don't like the movie. That's fine. But I, I liked like it. Yeah. And I liked it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing I got more there. What else you got? 
All right, you corrected me on that. Uh, for anyone who wants to go to the site and read Brian's uh, takedown of me, go ahead. I wanted to correct when we were talking about the WBC last week, we were talking about the Czech Republic. I mentioned that they had a, a really uh, high prospect and then you had no idea who I was talking about and you're big into prospects. So I hedged myself and said, oh, I actually think it's somebody who's going to one of the top college programs. I'm actually thinking of a guy named Merrick Chlup, who is an extremely good college baseball player. In fact, in 13 games this year, he is slashing 550, 625, 1100. That's an 1100 slug, not OPS. Um, he has five home runs and 14 RBIs. The catch here, why nobody's heard of Merrick Chlup, he's doing this um, for North Greenville University, which is a Division II school. Division II players succeed in baseball. It happens all the time. But there's a second caveat. He is 24 years old. <laughs> Ah, the penny <laughs> so, drops. So he's like three or four years older um, than everyone he's been playing with. He's still going to get a chance. He's almost certainly still going to get drafted by somebody and he'll get a chance. Um, in large part, for no other reason, the fact that, like, yes, he is older than everyone he's playing against. But in terms of actual baseball development, you could argue that he's, he may be behind most everyone he's playing against because he grew up and developed in the Czech Republic. You know, he's, he's not some kid from California who's been playing travel ball since he was eight. Um, so he's still going to get a chance. He's still he's still a, a, a name to watch. He's a big kid. He's a big, strong kid. He's, he played well in the Czechs' first game of the tournament. Um, so there you go. Merrick Schlupp for Team Czechia, who are 1-0. and 1-0 and have a chance. They, they have a chance. With Korea slipping here, there's going I to be some – I assume that 1-0 and was beating China. It was beating China. Yep. Uh, China has no chance. Uh, Korea ha still has a chance. They, they should be favored. They, they still have, they have China and they have Czechia next. They should beat both of those teams, which would put them at two and two. They still could advance at two and two if everyone else is, is, or is tied with them. But the tiebreaker is run differential. So them getting smacked by Japan today was really not good for them. Um, the Australia-Czech game could end up determining who who advances out of that pool there because australia um australia has already beaten china uh they they if australia beats the czech republic they can advance even if they lose to japan and korea based on run differential speaking of run differential i love that because this again skirts i mean this is a world cup soccer staple obviously but it skirts the red ass American. Oh, don't run up the score. Like, no, run up the score. Yeah. yeah. And you think Japan didn't want to run up the score on Korea? I mean, come on. Oh, one last take about the WBC uh, before we move on. Japan has a guy who hits and pitches. And yeah. Like, have you heard of him? Level. Have you heard of him? And, and I, and I don't know why they did this. They started Otani against China. Which I, I, for, the, really, for the lulls? I don't maybe know. it was. Yeah, I don't know if it... May, maybe this is about lining him up to, to pitch in the finals if they get there. Although they... Because they started early and will be traveling, they have a couple of days off. You wouldn't think that would be an issue. But yeah, God, I feel bad for that Chinese team. 
and he and he dominated them. I mean, he was uh, he 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 didn't even use his splitter at all. He was purely fastball slider, um, and those those poor kids just didn't didn't have a chance. Take Darvish that, air hogs. They they didn't pitch Darvish either. Dar- did Dar- no Darvish didn't start today, so they want to reason- win it all. And I think I think as you said, like that whatever their mach- machinations are, it's planning the whole tournament. Yeah, you might be right. So yeah, he was great. He was outstanding. Japan's cruising. Uh, the Texas Air Hogs are pretty much cooked. Other than that, we start tomorrow. Did you? So I, I do want to revisit this briefly. You and I both gushed about the Dominican team last week. Two things about that. I think even before some developments happened this week that, that weakened the Dominicans a little bit, I think we probably underestimated the U.S. lineup. I think the U.S. lineup is probably better than the Dominican lineup, even at full strength. Um, but the Dominican lineup isn't even at full strength anymore because Vladdy Guerrero is pulled out of the tournament with a little knee injury. And this uh, is something else that affects the Red Sox because the Dominican, the original plan for the Dominican lineup was that Machado would play third, Guerrero would play first, Juan Soto would uh, play in right field, and Rafael Devers would DH. Juan Soto also has a little hamstring thing, and now they need a first baseman. So the Dominicans actually asked the Sox for permission to let Devers play first base so that they could have Soto DH, Devers and Machado in the corner. Red Sox turned him down, Joiner. What do you think of that? First of all, I'm fully aware of the strength of the U.S.'s lineup, but for reasons we got into last week of not wanting them to win, I refuse to acknowledge that they're better than the Dominican at full strength okay. because I want the Dominican to be better. Yeah. And frankly, their swag is so far off the charts, the U.S. couldn't touch it. However, as far as the Devers thing goes, seems like the organization endeavors are on the same page with most things these days, so I can't imagine he was too surprised. It's just a bummer because that just creates a log jam for the DR. Yeah. It'll make it sweeter when they beat the U.S., but until then, a little difficult. Yeah. Normally, I when when conflicts between Major League Baseball and the WBC pop up, I am 100% on the side of the WBC. I am obviously a little torn here, really only because first base for a guy who's never played it before does present some injury risk. Right. Like if, if if he doesn't have the right footwork over there in the bag, you know, he, he could end up in a collision that, 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 you know, fucks up his ACL in a bad way for us. Um, on the other hand, though, Rafael Devers probably is going to be a first baseman at some point in, in his career. Or, well, maybe not. Maybe if Casas locks down the position for the next 10 years, maybe Devers will just go right from third to DH when, when the time comes for his body. Um, but there's at least a pretty good chance Rafael Devers ends up a first baseman in the future. So why not get it over? Why not get it started now? Um, but that is too bad. Hope, hopefully, hopefully it's a moot point. Hopefully Soto is healthy enough to play in the field so that Devers can DH. But I guess we'll find out uh, tomorrow. I think they open up against Venezuela, which Ooh. should be, yeah, 
should be the uh, of the first round pool games. That, that's definitely the, the best combination of talent on both sides of the field there. Spicy. You got anything before we move on to our special gambling edition? In spring training news, you want to talk about Bobby Dalbeck? Nick Pavetta's got a new curveball. The Red Sox are undefeated. How excited are you about the undefeatedness of the Boston Red Sox? Zero. Zero. <laughs> I am too. I am too. And I think that's the correct take. And I think that is absolutely the take of 95% of Red Sox fans. But being on Red Sox Twitter, people really, really love that they're undefeated. People are really getting into this. I'm all for the shit posting, like fake being into it. But the people who actually believe it and are using it as points in the ongoing culture war for the Red Sox. Oh God. This is are this... showing their hand. You know, it's just but whatever. Has this ever happened to the Red Sox before? This this the culture war is a good way to put it. That is absolutely what is happening. Well, it, they have not is. gone undefeated for a full season, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> yes, that is true. But I am just getting so exhausted by the fact that everyone, not every, not every Red Sox fan, but everyone, every online Red Sox fan has dug in to one camp or another based purely on, on their feelings about High and Bloom and is now viewing everything that happens to the Red Sox through that lens. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. Even I've stopped doing it, guys. If I can stop, you can stop. Trust me. We all need to stop. This is ridiculous. Um, anyway, fun hypothetical question for you. Sure. And this is completely impossible, A, and it's not going to happen. And I think we know the answer anyway. But um, So what are we? We're, uh, we're three weeks from opening. We're a little less than three weeks from opening day, right? Yeah, Fitzy's like doing the countdown every day of yeah, a player, yeah. and the players' numbers are getting smaller. Yeah. So the Red Sox probably have their, I believe their 9-0-3 is their records. So they probably have like 18, 19 games of, of Grapefruit League baseball left. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. Let's say it's 18. Let's say the Red Sox win the next 17 games. What do they do with the last game of the Grapefruit League? And how big a deal is it if the Red Sox go into the last game of the Grapefruit League undefeated? I mean, it's not going to happen. They're, they're probably going to lose two hours from now. But uh, I just, I was not going to happen. This. It would be a big deal. I mean, I would say how big, how big a deal would it be? Would it be like, like if it's not already planned to be on ESPN? Would ESPN pick up the broadcast to see if a team no. could go undefeated in spring? You don't think no. they would? I think they would. No, I guess they wouldn't. We think MLB Chris Network, Sales, Chris MLB Sales Network gonna, would. Chris Sale is going to be out there for eight innings. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're going to bump Chris Sale from opening day, in order to, in order to yeah, finish exactly the great for the league season. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you're the soccer fan. This sounds like the whatever there's the game they have, the Community Shield or whatever. Yeah. The beginning. Yeah. Oh, we won the first game of the year! Yes. It's like okay, you won the first game of the year. Congratulations. I would be. I would be. I know I just said I don't care about this. I would be so, I would be so pumped for that game. I would just be so I, I wouldn't care if they lost. I wouldn't be rooting for them to win. I would just be so pumped for the spectacle of it all and for the craziness of it all. I feel 
happy for the moms and pops who had these last game of spring training tickets. They're like, oh my god, I can oh sell these. Yeah. If they had, if they weren't already retirees, they could sell it and retire on it exactly. again. Exactly. All right, we're gonna get to we, you know we are a baseball podcast and uh, everybody gambles and we're not big gamblers, but we're gonna pick our best season long bets because it's kind of fun. It is, and also the powers that be are like, hey, you know, people like gambling, and we said we do know. So after this break. Our best bets for the season. We're back. It's time to get in to gambling. Dan, you hate gambling. How was the research for this? I don't hate gambling. I have some issues with gambling. Um, well, let me let me start off right off the bat. The research for this did not go well. And in fact, we might not be able to do this as a draft because I'm pretty sure I only have two things. Okay. First of all, I I have no I have no moral issue with sports gambling at all. Um, I do hate the way it it has come to dominate discourse in certain broadcasts, in certain websites, in certain circles. Um, I do hate the casino industry. The I, I again I have no moral qualms about the casino industry. But I do hate the way it is implemented. I hate the way it's been implemented in Massachusetts. You know, when... Um, oh, and by the way, timely, because Dan, what is today? Today is the day that mobile sports betting in Massachusetts is legal. No longer need to drive down to... What was the closest state before this? Jersey? Was it Jersey? I don't know. Uh, no, you can do it in New York. You can do it in New York now? Yep. I remember, For a period of time, I remember there were people like constantly driving over the... George Washington Bridge in order to gamble. They don't need yeah, to I remember anymore. people. My friends would be like, "I'm going to Jersey next weekend. Do you want to? You want to make any bets?" And I'd say no. Well, so now I have a new after after going through this this project. I have a new beef with the gambling industry. Oh, <laughs> or let's hear it. I don't know if it's a beef or I'm just confused. But for an industry that is known for preying on people's addictions to the point where of course casinos casinos famously have no windows and no clocks because they don't want anyone to know what time of day it is and now these apps are like created like games with all of the the addictive digital practices that we know about for an industry that is known for that why do they make sports gambling so goddamn hard to understand? <laughs> it's it's I, and I, the only theory I can come up with is because I, I look I, I started looking for lines. I don't understand what all these goddamn numbers means. There's terminology I, I don't understand. I don't know why it can't just be like, do you think Tristan Casas will hit more than twenty home runs this year? If yes, give us a dollar, and if you're right, we'll give you two hundred or something like that. I don't know why it has to come in these weird, complicated numbers. The only the only thing I can think of, like I said, is that for marketing reasons, they think there's value in making gambling seem cool and that, that it has its own language that only certain in people understand. And if you don't understand it, you're not one of the in crowd people and you're not as cool. Um, but otherwise, I just can't. I, I really like I struggle to understand what I'm even reading when I look at money lines and bets and everything. Well, I 
I think the Trista Gasses thing is you looking for a bet that's too niche to that's what I thought we when we talked about doing this pod, I thought I was going to be able to do like, hey, I think Yu Chang's going to hit more than five home runs this year. Here's a great bet. Turns out you can't bet on the amount of home runs Yu Chang is going to hit. Why not? Well, I mean, you can look up a Yu Chang projection, take the home run total and ask me if I want to go over or under. I'm happy with that. But I will say that the funny thing about you saying I want to bet $1 on Tristan Cass at home run and I'll give you 200 if he does, that's the – that's how the once you understand the terminology, which does not take very long, that's exactly what it is. So I know that's what it is. My whole my whole beef is with the terminology. That's my whole beef. I understand the gist of how the prop betting and the futures betting works. I just don't understand why every time I look at a sportsbook website, it's like I I feel like I'm reading German. Well, one thing we could do here then is. So, okay, one other thing. One other thing about this. So, go for it. So, the I was, like I said, I was trying to find interesting. Are all your bets Red Sox related or are they just baseball related? Just one is Red Sox related. Well, shit. Okay. Well, this is our fault then. We should have coordinated better because I was only looking for Red Sox related bets. And that's when I was disappointed to find out that, like, I couldn't bet on Yu Chang's home runs. Like it, it pretty much was just, you know, world series odds, postseason odds over under wins, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, these are kind of boring. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that's good money to, to, to put money on the Red Sox to win the world series this year. Um, so I was only looking at Red Sox related bets. So that's. Okay. So here, here's what we're going to do. We'll go through our Red Sox related bets and then I'll go through my, other bets, which are basically just MVP uh, bets, and you can pull up the odds. We could talk about the Red Sox on the list. You could say which bet you would prefer out of that. Good plan. So, what Good is plan. your red? What are your Red Sox bets? I bet one of ours is the same. I'm sure they are. Okay, so the first one. Let's get the big one out of the way. Vegas has the over under and Red Sox wins at 77 and a half on my on my app, which I'm looking on right now. It's 78 and a half. 78 and a half. Okay, interesting. It, it varies by sportsbook. Um, so I think, I think this line is ridiculous. I really, really do. Um, yeah, yeah. They won seventy-eight games last year, and they lost their best player and their best pitcher from that team. You know, if, if you want to look at uh, obviously Xander Bogarts was their most productive hitter, and Michael Walker is their most productive pitcher. So I can see why the masses would immediately look at that um, and say that that 77 and a half is a good line. I think this is easy money. I think the Red Sox are look, look there is there we've discussed this many times. Everyone's discussed this. Super high variance team. There absolutely are easily foreseeable scenarios where the Red Sox only win 75 games. Easily foreseeable scenarios. Chris Sale and Corey and Corey Kluber get hurt again because they're Chris Sale and Corey Kluber. The rookies don't step up. Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock are already behind. Could be a disaster. But the bottom line is, this team is much, much, much deeper than last year's team. Um, and I, I wrote an article for the site a couple of weeks ago, a really basic article, where I just I did a quick war analysis of not just the players who've left versus the incoming players, but also the players who've left and the players 
who've been bumped down the depth chart by incoming players. So I didn't just I, I looked at all the war from the guys who left, like Xander Bogarts and Michael Waka, Frenchy Cordero. And I also added that to the war from like Bobby Dahlbeck and Jaron Duran, guys who were regulars last year who won't be this year or who shouldn't be. And basically, ultimately, I, I added up the war for the 19 players who are either gone or will have drastically reduced roles. And then I added the war of the 19 new players or the, the either new players, the people like Chris Sale and Garrett Whitlock, who are going to have increased roles. The 2023 Red Sox, that group of 19 players, has a, a fan graph, fan graphs projected 10 more wins than the 19 players who are departing from last year's team. And it isn't just the bullpen. There's just like a lot of depth that's been added across the squad. Um, so it's hard for me, it, as much as I was unhappy with how this offseason went, because I do think a few small tweaks in their strategy would have made this team a much better team. I do think the 2023 Red Sox are better than the 2022 Red Sox. Um, I don't think they're drastically better. When we get to our season predictions, I'm probably going to have them somewhere around like 82, 83 wins. But this seems like easy money to me. So you're going over. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I looked at that same line and had the exact same thought. Over. Everything went wrong last year. And uh, my companion bet is Baltimore under. Uh, Mm. Sort of figuring that there are only so many games in the division. One can win, one can lose. You know, people are on the Baltimore train. It wouldn't surprise me. Baltimore's at 76 and a half on my app. And, you know, that's definitely doable, but it's also definitely within Baltimore's capabilities to not win 77 baseball games. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the division. That's something else that we had considered. That we're playing a more balanced schedule this year. That's right. That's going to be a massive help for all ALE's teams. I think just even like last year's Red Sox team, uh, playing a more balanced schedule probably would have had at least two more wins, two to three more wins. I mean, look, the division odds for the Red Sox, Yankees plus 130, Blue Jays plus 200, Rays plus 270. That's all basically the same, even if the Yankees are a clear favorite. The Red Sox are plus 2,000. Vegas does not believe in the Red Sox whatsoever. And I think that this is short-sighted. I think they're much better. Well, I don't think these numbers indicate. I don't think, I do not think it's possible for them to win the division. I think it's possible. I was alive in 2013 and I saw it happen. Happen again. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, that was a different circuit. 2013 was the, the the division wasn't nearly as strong in 2013. The 80s. That was sort of a big part of it, though. They were, they did finish with the best record in the league, I think. So it didn't. Yeah. That is matter. Uh, what's your other Red Sox bet? All right, my next one. Uh, okay, so this is another one where I didn't quite get the actual numbers, but I will just say right now, Tristan Casas is what I looked at the fifth favorite for, for winning the American League Rookie of the Year. Gunnar Henderson of the aforementioned Baltimore Orioles being number one. Masataka Yoshida, number two. Grayson Rodriguez, the Orioles again, and then Hunter Brown um, for the Astros. I think this is too low for a couple of reasons. First of all, Masataka Yoshida, even if he does have the best season of that group of players, we know there are a number of writers who don't view 
players who come over from NPB as rookies and, and won't vote for him for rookie of the year. Um, so I think Yoshida's year has to be really, really good. For, like He has an uphill battle to win the rookie of the year. There's, there's an inherent bias against him when it comes to that award. And then when you talk about Grayson Rodriguez and Hunter Brown, you know, I mean, the pitchers, you just, you can't, you can't ever put too much expectation in pitchers. That just the injury risk is too much. Teams manage their workloads when they're young. Um, I, I just think it's too low for me. I think Casas at fifth there is a is a pretty good value. I, I wouldn't put him above Gunnar Henderson, but I, you know, I, I think he should maybe be second or third in that group. I I totally agree. I think Volpe, whose odds are worse than Casas, is better than uh, the than the pitchers, and maybe even than Yoshida. I mean, if he's a Yankee and he yeah. is starting from day one and he can play, that's as built in of an inherent advantage as you can have. The, the issue uh, with Volpe might be what you just said, though. I don't, I don't know if it is clear that he's going to be starting from day. Oh, one. I don't they think it is clear at all. Field log jam. Yeah. And it could take him a while to clear it. I didn't actually have this one, but looking at the AL Cy Young odds, Chris Sale is plus 8,000, which puts him at the same number as Sonny Gray. Hmm. That's and, Lance Lynn and Chris Bassett. And these are fine players for the most part. But as I wrote in my repost to Chris Cotello, who is the second best player on the Red Sox, if Chris Sale manages to pitch a full season, he is a Cy Young contender, period. And that is not true of anyone else I mentioned. It's not true of a whole lot of players on that list. Can you get odds on Chris Sale? like finishing in the top five? Not as far as I know, but I... That's what I would want to put it on. That's fine, but that's the... if Sales never won a Cy Young. Well, but that, I think, works in his favor considerably because he's up for a lifetime achievement Cy Young award if he can get close enough. I see what you're saying. I mean, he has an argument right now that he's one of the best pitchers of all time to never win one. But I actually think in his specific case, there is a reason. I don't think it's just fluke that any, and he's always going up against, you know, guys who have generational years. Chris Sale really, really kind of falls apart at the end of every year. I mean, falls apart's a relative term. He doesn't, he doesn't always get hurt. Um, and, and he doesn't, turn into like a league average pitcher but his month-to-month splits are are pretty clear and he is a much much worse pitcher in september and august than he is the rest of the year and i think that's a direct result of his body type he just he doesn't hold up over the course of the season and i think in many of the years where he's come close in the cy young and i think he's got he's finished in the top five something like four or five times already. here are his finishes from 2012 to 2018 Six five three four five two four. There you go. And I think a lot of those finishes are because when people start paying attention to the Cy Young race, when voters start really paying attention at the end of the year, he tends to not be pitching well. And and they, you know they put up his numbers against other pitchers who who are more consistent throughout the season. And so I, I don't think it's a coincidence that he hasn't won a Cy Young. 
And given that, you know, he's 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 going to be managed, I'm sure, this year. His arm is fresh. His arm is really fresh. But his workload is going to be managed. So I don't I, I don't feel good about him winning the Cy Young. But I feel pretty good about him finishing the top five. If he, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a top five Cy Young guy. I mean, I think putting down um, $10 to win 800 is not a terrible bet on that. That's all I'm saying. He did lose to Kluber in 2018, though Kluber was way better in, in that year. Kluber uh, led the league in almost every single category that year, if I recall. Except for innings pitched and strikeouts, which which our boy our boy did. He had 308 that year, sailed it. Did he really? Yeah. He's never going to lead the league in innings pitched again, so that's a damn shame he couldn't get the Cy Young that year. That's a good point. Uh so let's stick with the awards. I had some ideas on MVP. So let's just start with uh, what's his face, our candidate, Raphael Devers, who I believe I had it up is at plus three thousand, which puts him. All right. So that means if you bet one hundred, you win three thousand dollars. You see, you don't even know. This is my point. You don't even know. It what means whatever. No, no. Mean? It means whatever you bet, you get thirty times. So why isn't the number just thirty then? Don't don't ask questions I don't know the answer to. <laughs> this is real. This really bothers me. Simplify well, Devers, Devers seems to be like there's a there's a top tier. Well, first of all, Otani is plus two twenty, and I would recommend that bet. Uh, in in. Co- in concert with any other bet you want to make on the AL MVP bet on Otani because he's the best player in the history of baseball in his prime. And if he doesn't get hurt, he is. I mean, do you think, do you think Otani has a walk year level that he hasn't reached yet? See, that would just be preposterous. I mean, Aaron judge had to hit 62 home runs to beat him last year. Yeah. I don't think he does just because based on, uh, Mike Trout has talked about this a lot. Literally all Shohei Otani does is wake up in the morning, go to the baseball field, leave the baseball field, go home and go to sleep. Well, like, he lives in is, Orange like, he, County. Of course, yeah. what else would he do? Well, fair enough. <laughs> but he's not like, he doesn't go out at all. He doesn't, I, I think, I think his, he lives with family. Um, so I don't really know if like, I don't think there's another level of focus and preparation that Shohei Otani can get. I don't think he needs one. I think one. he's completely think maxed he's out. Yeah. I, I think, think he's, he's good though. Yeah. Fair enough. So my, my companion bet here would be Julio at plus 900 because I think there's a real chance he goes 40, 40 and that's hard to ignore. He's the fourth favorite. Whereas I think Jordan Alvarez, plus twelve hundred, not a great bet because that guy can't stay healthy, and all he does is hit. I'd rather pick Devers at that uh, for three times the odds than Jordan, even if Jordan is this is true of very few players a better hitter than Devers. Dan is talking, but he's muted, so. Sorry. Gonna... So who are, so who are the top four in the American League? Can I guess? Maybe you've already told me, but I'm gonna. I haven't, I haven't. You can go. Okay, Otani's number one. Trout's number two. You told me that you told me J Rod was four, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll say it's I'll say Otani, Trout, 
Judge, J-Rod. Um, you've mentioned Alvarez, so I'm going to guess he's fifth. And I don't think. Did you even tell me where Devers was? I'll I'll say. So the, uh, he he's. Can eight. I guess? Ah, he's come on! Eight. I was gonna guess. So, I was gonna guess. Okay, 10 there's. Him, so. Well, it's 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 instructive because there are two more players, and then the odds really shift after that, and then Devers is the next one. Mm, okay, so do I have it right so far? Otani. Yeah, Trout, Judge and J-Rod. Judge and Trout switched, but yes, Judge and Trout and switched. They're very okay. Yeah. And then and then Alvarez is fifth. Yes. And then we got two guys to get to Devers. Um, You've mentioned one of them already. I've mentioned one of them already. Okay. (laughs) Uh, On this podcast, not in this context. On this podcast, but not in this context. Okay. It's not you, Chen. You, Chen, right? Okay. Uh, No, he's, he's ninth. He's ninth. Uh, it's not Tristan Casas. Who else have I talked about? <laughs> All right, I did spend Just... like an hour talking about the World Baseball Classic. Right. Uh, oh, well, no. Juan Soto's in the American League, made in Chato, or in the National League, made in Chato's in the National Oh, Vladdy Guerrero. Okay. Correct. He's yep. he's sixth. Okay, Vladdy Guerrero is sixth. Seventh. Is seventh a pitcher? Are there any pitchers in this top ten? No. No? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Seventh would be seventh jose is... ramirez jose ramirez yes boom all right boom good job that was, should we make that was this impressive. should we make this a guessing game I'm sure kind of let's go that. to all let's right. go to the nl should we, should we put NL. some money on it <laughs> just uh, i don't have the capacity for that i will say that my nor do i have the money so I will say in the NL, my favorite pick uh, is Acuna. I won't tell you the odds. Why don't you try to pick the sort of top group here in order and see how you do. All right. So if Acuna is your favorite pick, then he is not number one. Uh, in fairness, in fairness, Otani is my favorite pick and he is number one, but you are correct. True. Okay. I won't give you um, any more hits, but you're right about that. All right. Well, I would. I'm tempted to say Juan Soto, but I wonder if his dip at the end of the year um, has affected those odds. I doubt it's Goldschmidt. I would be shocked if it's Goldschmidt, but I'm sure he's in the top five somewhere. This is hard, actually. This is really hard because, like I said, I don't think like I. Like I bet Goldschmidt is no higher than like fifth. He tell is, me where I'm just gonna tell you he is fifth. He is you fifth. Are, okay. You are you are right on the money there. And I also That's... have to tell you, I I'll just tell you, Soto is first. So Soto is first. Okay. All right. I'm actually a little surprised. His by odds that. aren't I... nearly as draconian as Otani's. Yeah. But he's he's All a right. very clear favorite uh, at the top. All right. So Soto is the clear favorite at the top. This is a little tough because I, I, Machado's got to be up there, but then you have the whole dynamic of you know players on team and stacked teams frequently have trouble winning the MVP because they steal votes from each other. But Machado's got to be up there. Goldschmidt's fifth. Arenado's probably in the top ten somewhere. Um, let's see. Am I missing any like Mets? Frankie Lindor, he's probably not in the top 10. Uh, bum, 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 bum. 
I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to break this down for you. You're overthinking this. There are three players between one and five. I think I can go ahead and tell you that Acuna is one of them. Okay. All right. So let's say two play. There's two players in the top five. You have not. I'll say Juan Soto. Mookie Betts is two. Is Mookie Betts two? Yes. He's two. Juan Soto. Mookie Betts. Acuna is four. Yes. So three is no, no. Acuna is three. I'm sorry. Acuna is three. Okay. Acuna is three. Soto. Betts. Acuna. I, get, I mean, Freddie Freeman won it two years ago, but again, you got the team bunching. I'll say Machado. I'll say, is Machado four? Six. Six. Freddie Freeman four? Nope, he's eight. He's eight. Arenado? Nope, he's 11. He's 11. Oh, it's someone it. who you're not thinking of for very plainly obvious reasons that I'm not sure that these odds are reflect how voters would actually vote. Interesting. Okay, so it is somebody. So there's it's somebody on it. There's an extenuating circumstance. Extenuating circumstance. Okay, this is fascinating. All right. Well, it's not Tatis, is it? I would rephrase that if I were you. To say, it's Tatis. It's Tatis, isn't it? Oh it's my goodness! That shocks me. That shocks Another me for like. multiple reasons. How is, that shocks me. Another one I like is Trey Turner. Uh, he's seventh. That's because a good if pick. the Phillies, if the Phillies just rip, you know, rip off a. Oh, I just got sad for a second because I'm looking at the NL MVP odds. I'm like, what is Xander doing? On, oh, I hear it now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. Where is he? He's down at 13, 14, somewhere like that. He's plus four. Yeah, he's. Dude, he's at fifteen. You're just 15. all over this right now. Yeah. Maybe uh, I should maybe I should be into baseball gambling. I don't know. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and then I mean the last thing I did, I, I didn't do very much. Uh we could do the Cy Youngs if you want, but I think the Cy Young is all just did this guy stay healthy? Did yeah, the Cy Young is such a crapshoot. Yeah. And, the, and then tell the, me, just tell I won't I won't guess, but I'm curious. Tell me what they are. Okay. Um just pull up pull up the Cy Young uh odds. Da, da, da. Cy Young odds. I don't know if this is a shoot. I mean, the the Cy Young favorite, according to what I'm looking at, and I switch sites here just because I'm sort of hopscotching, is Degrom, which surprises me. That's that seems like a poor choice. And then Cole, then Cease, then Rodon. Mm. Rodon's already out for the start of the year. Manoa, Otani, and McClanahan are the next three, and I like all of those. Yeah. Yeah, those are good picks. I, have fun. Go with Otani for the double. I would really love Tristan McKenzie to win it. Yeah. Um, actually, actually, no. I'm I'm rooting I, now that I am rooting. I'm officially rooting for the Otani double for the double. I mean, yeah. You're asking what could he do for a walk here? There you go. <laughs> that would be pretty goddamn amazing. He could do it too. That's the craziest part. He could. He he was so good on the mound last year. And I never thought he I never thought he would be as good a pitcher as he was last year. I thought he would max out as like a top 15 guy. He was a top this five is, guy last year. This is wild. The top four NL Cy Young favorites all have won Cy Young Awards. Verlander number one. No, Alcantara number two. It's Alcantara and Burns are tied, and then oh. Verlander and Scherzer are right behind them. Oh. And Spencer yeah. Strider is next after that. Hmm. Julio wow. Urias at plus 2,000. Just saying. 
That's another walkier guy. Just saying. Yeah, that's who I we have, we have a long way to go before we discuss this, but he, he's gonna be he's he's my number one offseason target for the Sox this year. Well, and it's for that reason. I mean, I guess Shohei Otani, but it's for that Otani then Arias. That my uh favorite bet to win the World Series is the Dodgers at plus 800 or plus 900, wherever you Okay, wait. It. Where does that rank? It's like right, it's, they're mushed in a group with the Mets, Yankees, Braves, and Padres, right? The Astros are the favorites, I think. The Astros right. are the top. Okay, because I actually don't like the Dodgers this year. I think the That's Dodgers right. are in trouble this year. Not in trouble. Ooh. I mean, they're, they're trouble relative to the Dodgers. Um, I do. It seems very. It's it's very. They they really didn't do anything to improve the team this year from last year. Um, they, of course, they, lost. They they cut Trevor Bauer. <laughs> they cut Trevor Bauer. Yeah, but it's not like he was even. He wasn't even in the clubhouse. No, it's good. No, it's good. It doesn't matter. Good vibes. Yeah. Good vibes. Yeah, that's true. They did lose Trey Turner, who's pretty good. Yeah, I think th- this is this really is the first offseason in a while where they did not improve the team, and I think it's pretty clear why. I think they are going for an Otani bid next year. They're setting themselves up from that. Um, but you know, even last year's lineup, when we looked at last year's lineup and looked at all the MVPs, the Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and All Star level players. Even looking at that and looking at the awards they've won kind of masked their vulnerabilities because Cody Bellinger, sure, former MVP, but a guy who has completely forgotten how to hit. Justin Turner, former multiple-time All-Star, but a guy who spent the first half of the year completely washed. Um, and now Trey Turner's gone. <clears throat> uh, Gavin Lux is now out for is he out for the season or just out for like a couple of months i don't really like gavin lux he's is out, out for a while lot. he's out he's for out a for a while. while um so they have some issues in the lineup in the rotation you know kershaw's kershaw an aging guy who's now dealing with injury once again um i do like i said i do love arias at the top of the rotation but they don't they're, they're not they're not the juggernaut that they have been for the past six years i think okay. the padres absolutely could take them this year that that's fine I agree with that in theory, but do you know who else was having a uh, retooling year this year in a different sport? The Chiefs were. The Chiefs did not expect to win the Super Bowl this year. And then they did because they had enough talent, not apples to apples for the same reason we talked about. Yeah. The games are no, they obviously could. Anyone can win the World Series in baseball. That's true. I no, would, just, here's what I would, I certainly. What are you going to do? Bet on the Padres? You think that's going to happen? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I could like betting, betting on the World Series seems insane to me. <laughs> like that, like betting on who's going to win the World Series seven months out is an absolutely impossible task. Betting on who wins the most games. Now that's more interesting. And that's where I'd like to see. Do you have, do you have the odds for that? Like who, who are the, who are just the favorites to be the one seed in the National League? Well, here's here's the here's a good proxy that I have at handy. Teams, the odds on teams to win more than a hundred uh, games, and I'll just tell you them in order. 
Astros, Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Padres, Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies, Rays, and then you get to the teams that are not going to win 100 games. Yeah. So there is where I would say shorting the Dodgers or betting the under or whatever is a good Yeah, thing. I didn't realize that they were this high. All right, uh, I rescind my thing. Pretend I said the Phillies. Okay. Everyone, everyone says, oh, you can't do it again. Well, what if they just did, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not, they're a team that got better. They're a team that got better. I don't know if they got better enough to counter the regression that's going to come. Um, they got a guy. They got the right guy to fight that regression in real yeah. time. <laughs> it's true. That is true. Don't bet against Dave Dabrowski. Don't do it. Yeah, that's that's our that's our number one bet to leave you with. Don't bet against Dombo. All right. Do you have any other interesting ones to? Nope. I'm no. all done. This was our attempt at a gambling set segment i think it went well for us went well ish yeah all right dan do you have any recommendations this week uh you go first and i will think of one i'm going to recommend another movie but this one i've watched twice all the way through so i'm not going to accept any pushback also because you would be wrong the movie is the founder about oh, i haven't seen that. ray Kroc. It's on Netflix, starring Michael Keaton, who is just great and everything. And it gets into the story of how Ray Kroc, a struggling milkshake salesman from Chicago, ends up as the founder of McDonald's, which was started by two brothers named McDonald in San Bernardino, California. And basically creates and then steals their empire. And it's great. It's very, you know, people think Elon Musk founded Tesla. He did not. Very similar vibes here. And it's a really charming movie. There's a great, great scene uh, that doesn't spoil, it's not spoiler, and it's early in the movie where. <clears throat> He's selling milkshakes, so he's going to restaurants. The milkshake machines. And they're all drive-ins with car hops. And they make clear through a succession of scenes that orders get messed up. They take a long time. They don't have people, the system, whatever. He goes to McDonald's because they ordered six milkshakes makers, and he thought that had to be a mistake. And he called them and they said, that is a mistake. We want eight. So he drives to California (coughs) and he goes to order a burger. Shit. Sorry. I thought I was on mute there. (laughs) It's fine. And then they just hand it to him. And he's like, what is this? Like, it's your food. And he immediately is like, I need to talk to the owner. He's like, I want to take you out for dinner. I want to find out how you did this, how you make the food so fast. And the way they at least describe it in the, in the movie, which is really cool, is they were on a tennis court and they drew where each of the stations would be for food and replicated orders being taken, burgers being cooked, buns being toasted, and had the people moving in concert so they knew how to set up the kitchen to make everything go really fast. And it's very visually uh, cool to see that come together on the screen and the rest of the movie is, is, is great. 
and Linda Cardellini is in it. And anyone who doesn't like Linda Cardellini can stop listening to this podcast now. Even if you listened an hour and 20 minutes, get out. Uh, I, have, I have two follow-up questions and they may relate to Linda Cardellini. I hope they do. Um, I haven't seen it. I did hear it was really good. Um, it is. Although for some reason it didn't, it seems to have kind of slipped past the culture a little bit. Um, but my two follow-up questions. One, how much is there about his wife, if that is or is not Linda Cardellini? And two, how much do you know about his wife? Which wife? Because I'm assuming, two. I'm going to say the last one. That's Linda that's, Cardellini. Okay. And she is presented as the married to someone else. Uh, she's married to a Minneapolis restaurateur, but she comes up, she immediately understands the business and comes up with innovations. His first wife is played by Laura Dern, who Laura Dern is like an incredible actress who in this movie just, I'd have no idea why she's in it except for to do a favor and give it some star power, but she doesn't do anything but mope. And it's sad because Laura Dern can do so much more than mope. She can reach into dinosaur poo. Uh, they don't get into anything salacious with his second wife, but they mm -hmm. do imply it and they don't show, they show them being really flirtatious and her being innovative. And then like at the end, smash cut to, Oh yeah, look, they're married now. Interesting. Okay. So again, get, get the ombudsman listening. <laughs> May need some work on this. From what I know of Ray Kroc's wife, and I don't even know her name. That isn't, isn't that just uh, how things work in the patriarchy? Um, but the little that I know of Joan, her, I love Joan. Her. Is it Joan? Joan Kroc. Okay. Joan Kroc. Yes. There you go. I didn't know that. Um, I don't know anything salacious about her. My whole understanding of her was that she is a way, way better human being than Ray Kroc. Well, that is made clear by the movie. She was incredibly charitable. I think like NPR exists because of her. That's my understanding. But to bring this to baseball, this I do know for sure. Ray Kroc, former owner of the San Diego Padres. That's why the Padres wore brown and yellow, because of the McDonald's connection. Um, when he died, she became the owner. Joan Kroc attempted to give the San Diego Padres to the city of San Diego. And Major League Baseball did not allow it. But my God, would I have loved if that had happened. Because that is, that Major League Baseball probably should be. They are. They are that's the dream. I mean, that's the dream. Yes. That's the dream. They, they are that's, effectively quasi-public entities because of the antitrust exemption, because of all the tax money that goes to building their stadiums. They are quasi-public entities, except the profits and control are all still rested in the hands of 30 guys. If she had said, successfully given the team to San Diego, oh, my God. that would have been As nice. I said, Linda Cardellini can do no wrong, man. <laughs> do they get into her Padres ownership at all? Is, no. Is, there's no. There's no like Dave Winfield in the movie or anything like that? I, I am fairly sure you would like this movie. And so I think I would. I think I would. I will give it a shot. I will give it a shot. Um, I, I'll recommend a movie to... I'm going uh, to recommend a movie, a movie that is not uh, as, as critically important as the founder. It's another movie that everyone's heard of, but similar to how when I... Uh, it's, it, this is almost the exact same recommendation as the last movie I did. I recommended uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzu a couple of weeks ago. 
a movie by a very stylish director whose style gets on a lot of people's nerves and the movie itself is widely regarded as his worst, but I, but I think it was better than that. Uh, so everything I just said about the life aquatic applies to this one. The man from uncle, <laughs> I watched that late at night last week. That movie was absolutely panned. That's a good goddamn movie. And I think I understand why it was panned, you know, again, again, you know, talking about Guy Ritchie style. I think I've decided this month that I just I enjoy really stylish, stylistic directors, whether it's Wes Anderson or Guy Ritchie or the the highbrow answer would be Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese is stylistic as shit. Nobody complains about it when he does it. Um, but the man from Uncle, the, the, the principal criticism of that movie was that it was style over substance. Which is true, but in my opinion, misses the point. The whole point of that movie was they said, hey, what if we took the fun, stylish stuff of James Bond, which is the part that the id of humanity really likes anyway, and just dialed that up to 11. The point of the movie is that it is ridiculously stylish. The point of the movie isn't that it's suspenseful and that the plot makes sense and that it's dark. Like The point of the movie, it's... It, it is what Archer would be if Archer were on network TV. So it's not as good as Archer because it doesn't have the cutting incisive humor, but it has all of like the fun visual gags of the spy genre that Archer does. And it's just really fun. And I think if you go into it with that attitude, it's a good movie. Danger Zone. I could couldn't recommend resist. Archer. Yeah. Couldn't resist. That's it, folks. That's all we got. We tried our hand to gambling. We really like the World Baseball Classic. I like the founder. And, and let me tell you something. I got a uh, got a quarter pounder this week, too. I like that, too. But you know about McDonald's. You know about all this stuff. We'll be back next week with more WBC talk. I mean, I think we'll be back next week with more WBC talk. Spring training talk. We're getting closer. Dan, hang in there. Uh, have you started to agree with me that March kind of sucks? It's only March 10th. I didn't believe it yesterday when it was sunny out, but it's gray out today. So yeah. yes, I do. We still have three weeks of this shit. I actually was thinking while I was driving yesterday, Dan's a, I literally was like, Dan's an idiot. This is such a nice day. But today, <laughs> today yeah. I'll be with you. Like I said, we'll, we'll talk again in two weeks when it's still 39 degrees and gray. And you'll be on my side. Plus, plus 120, I win that one. Guys, it's been real. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care.